was a great meal. Let's look to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our service tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the great meal, for the great time of fellowship, for the things we've experienced thus far. We ask you to be with each one of the special music numbers tonight, that you'd be honored and glorified in all that's said and done and sung tonight. Be with our preacher, Brother Clayton, that you would just allow him the freedom and the liberty to bring your word to us. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to touch hearts tonight. And Lord, if there be those in our group tonight that are unsaved, that do not know the Savior, we pray that tonight would be the night that they would meet Him forever. Lord, we ask that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
right, take your hymn books if you would, 107, stand with me if you would, as we sing Angels We Have Heard on High, 107 in your hymn books. Let's sing it out. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the seated and now we're going to have a special from the Iglesia Baptista International joy to the world and we're going to have several songs sung tonight that are going to be sung in languages other than English and we just praise the Lord that we can have a real gospel tongues meeting service amen this is the way God intended it to be yes come right on up here so we can get you behind us Microphone, everybody.
Zach Glott is going to come and do the next song, Silent Night, but it's going to be in Russian. Христа Рождество. 
this time, we're going to get a special Christmas carol from our, uh, we just call it the Filipino group, all right? Is it just two? Come on, I know there's more of you hiding out there somewhere. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, come on up here and get ready to go. Good evening to all. The title of the song is uh, Christmas is Coming, and it says something about let, let us all make or sing a beautiful song to the birth of Christ. Next song is one I've been looking forward to. We have two people that will not sing a word audibly. Brother Franz and Sister Sharon will sing the words, but they're going to sign them to us. In sign language, the name of their song is Ring the Bells, and watch very closely as they sing the words with their hands. Amen. so long, many years ago. 
to this wicked sinful earth to bring mankind his love new birth ring the bells ring the bells let the whole world know christ the savior lives today as he did so wicked sinful earth to bring mankind his love new birth ring the bells ring the bells let the whole world know Christ the Savior lives today as he did so Stand with me if you would. Take your hymn books 109. We've got to sing this third verse because it describes so much of what is going on. And ye beneath life's crushing load. You know, tonight was designed to be one of those times to just stop and listen to the angels sing. Amen. Let's sing it out. All four verses 109 in your hymn books tonight. It came upon the midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from him so gracious be. to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music flows for all the weary world. Above its sad and lonely plain Crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the week. Oh, rest beside the wheel.
song which now the angels sing. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there hasn't been peace on the earth since Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of that tree. But there will be peace when the King of Kings comes. And perhaps Brother Julio's going to sing O Holy Night for us right now. And then as soon as he is done, we'll have the group from the Iglesia, Iglesia Batista Nova Vida. Did I get that close? Close. Okay. Here, a Santa in this sign doesn't refer to Santa Claus at all. It's just a translation, Chinese translation for holy. Just in case somebody wants. <laughs> Stelle luci canti, notte in cui nasce il Salvatore. Il peccato il mondo giaceva fino a che Cristo apparve qua giù. Oh, yeah. 
de bolete say that again, but the Portuguese language church, and we're glad they're here. I'll say it in English. It's New Life Baptist Church, right? Okay, and they're going to sing Joy to the World. Yeah. 
time last chance to sing tonight 105 oh come all ye faithful amen that's why we're here tonight 105 sing that second verse. When we get to the chorus, we're going to let everybody be part of the choir tonight, all right? You watch real close. We're going to get real soft on the first one, and then a little louder on the next one, and then we'll blow our brain, I mean, uh, vocal cords out on the last one, all right? Just as loud as you can sing. We'll see if we can get the chandeliers rocking back and forth, all right? That's the only kind of rock that belongs in the church house. Amen. Now let's sing out on that second verse. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. One more. 
seated. It just sounds better when we work together. Amen. We have one more song tonight. This is a brand new one. Julia just wrote this last week. And it talks about Christ, the, the parents, Joseph and Mary, getting turned away. And the no title of the song is Someone is knocking amen and as they were seeking many years ago just a place for the child to be born he is seeking the souls of men and women to be born again amen it is he who gives us life and so listen closely and just as they're getting ready here we're going to have brother larry clayton come and preach to us as soon as they're done singing now, Brother Clayton, some of you may not have met him. He's been preaching for a long time. But that's not what makes him uh, the man that we have here tonight. It's He preaches the Word of God, simple and plain, just the way it ought to be. He's the man that trained me in the ministry. I love Brother Clayton like my own father, and I'm just so glad he's able to be here tonight and able to preach to us. And you sit back and you let the preacher preach listen when the preacher preaches if you're going to be a part of it you got to obey the word amen it's not the preacher's opinion it's God's and so we let God do his work all right I'm going to get out of the way here brother Clayton you come just as soon as they're done
It seemed like the music and uh, the spirit of the meeting really lend itself to my preaching tonight. It seemed like it all dovetails together. Sometimes God does it that way, and I thank God tonight. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read one verse, and then we're going to uh, look at some other verses in Luke chapter 1 and verse 2. I mean, in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. But first we want to look at uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. When I was a little boy, my mother and dad lived... uh, up north in America, but all her relatives were from uh, Tennessee. And so every time anybody would come to uh, Ohio from Tennessee, they'd come to our house. And so we always had a lot of people because there was folks coming, migrating from Tennessee to Ohio for jobs because the jobs were kind of scarce in Tennessee. And so I grew up with a lot of visitors in the house. <clears throat> Excuse me, there was always a lot of people that had come to our house and stay all night or stay all week or stay all month and uh, sometimes almost a whole year getting jobs and getting settled uh, kind of as uh, almost as immigrants into the state of Ohio. Uh, so uh, I had to sleep anywhere I could find a bed. Because our house was always full of people. I remember one time I slept uh, a whole winter on the floor in a closet. Uh, I I really liked it because it was nice and warm in there and clothes hanging down, kept it nice and warm. The rest of the house was cold, but my closet was just right. Because we had a lot of people in our house. In fact, the church that we belonged to believed that anybody came to your door, you didn't turn them away. I mean, that was, that was part of the doctrine of our church, and we, we really practiced it. And my mom always said, there's always room 
for one more. Now, I mean, I can remember when people were sleeping, <coughs> excuse me, in the beds, but they're also sleeping on the floor. And in one place where the stairs came down and made a turn and a flat space, somebody was sleeping there. You know what I mean? All over the house. Uh, Filipino style. Amen? And uh, other place style, right? And uh, oftentimes I go to the Philippines and preach. And uh, we have uh, services sometimes out in the barrio, a barangay. And uh, we have a church there and people come from everywhere. So they're sleeping in the pews. Uh, they're sleeping on the on the platform. Uh, they're sleeping everywhere they can sleep, and we have a wonderful time. Although it's not the most comfortable time in sleeping, but that's the way I grew up as a boy, so I'm used to it. You know, it'd be a terrible thing, would it not, to be somewhere, maybe in a strange place, or in a strange town, or a strange com- country, and you had no place to go. Can you kind of sense that feeling? I don't know if you've ever been that way. Have you ever had to think, well, I went somewhere, I was going to go somewhere, and I was going to stay, and they found out you couldn't stay there and have sleep in the car. And they have to turn the engine on every once in a while to get it warm. I mean, have you ever done that? Come on, how many have done that? Come on, let's see your hands. Few people have done it. Well, the rest of you can kind of imagine how you feel when they have to You have to do the very best you can because there's no room for you. No place in the house. No room for you to stay. Maybe you've gone someplace and you had a room all scheduled in a motel and you got there and found out that there was something went wrong and you don't have any place to stay and maybe you have to sleep at night out in the the, uh, the area where uh, television is, you know, out where they have the soup uh, soup and... And uh, where they have the breakfast on some on the next morning, but it's a it's a feeling. I'm trying to give you the sense a feeling of loneliness for somebody that has no place to stay. Now, all over New York City and all over the world, <coughs> this Christmas time, there's going to be homeless people. They say there's more suicides at Christmas time than any other time because. People get despondent. Uh, they, they get uh, they get some acute uh, depression because uh, uh, they they don't have a family to take them in, or they don't have a friend to eat with, or, or someone to talk with, or something like we've done tonight. Get together and fellowship and have a good time with one another. They they don't have that, so they really feel all alone. Well, now here is an occasion in the Bible where it tells us about. The Lord Jesus Christ coming down to this earth. And I want to first imp- tonight to impress you who He really is. He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the mighty maker of heaven and earth. He is the architect that designed everything that you and I know on this earth. Can you imagine Him taking some red dirt? Out of the out of the out of the soil uh, of Eden, and uh, working with that and sculpturing a man. Can you imagine his his great ability, being God the Son, able to create all the uh, various parts of the human anatomy uh, by uh, taking dirt? You know, 
the Bible says that we are made of red dirt. And I hear that uh, whenever a body finally has its last part of decay and turns back to dirt, that that's what they find in the casket or the mausoleum where the body is buried. Nothing but red dirt. God took red dirt and he breathed into that dirt its, its nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. No architect ever was able to do that kind of a thing. In fact, we have all kind of architects all over the city, but there's not one of them that could create a man. There's not one of them could make a bumblebee or the most hated thing of all the earth, a mosquito. But if you look at a mosquito, you find out that he's put together pretty good. And if you really look at him through a powerful microscope, you'll see that there's a design about him that uh, I don't think any uh, botanist or biologist could ever think of I mean, God made him. Jesus Christ was the architect. He is the designer. He is the great one. And he made it all. Now, if you had someone come to your house sometime that uh, was uh, uh, such an architect or such a great designer as that, I'm sure that you'd give him a nice place in your house to stay. <laughs> My wife and I have almost all of our lives live somewhere other than home because we haven't had a home. We've lived on the road for 54 years. And, uh, I mean, we oftentimes uh, admire people with lovely homes. Of course, uh, we just found out this year that uh, some carpenters up in North Dakota decided that Lois needs a house, so they're building a, a house in Ohio. And that's a, that's a real blessing to us. And maybe one of these days, after 50 years of marriage, we might have a house to live in. Wouldn't that be something? To put our marriage in a house? We might get in there and get in a fight and think about divorce. No, I don't think so. Somebody said, Brother Clayton, you ever think about divorce? Being married almost 50 years? I, I said, no, I haven't ever thought about it. I said, my wife has thought about murder a few times, but never divorce. You know, you heard that. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's... It's a nice, we admire traveling sometimes, people's lovely homes, and sometimes we would be driving down the road and we would be looking at houses as we were passing by, and sometimes big open windows and families sitting by tables at uh, Thanksgiving time or Christmas, and we didn't have anything like that. And we often admire uh, such a wonderful experience of having such a nice home to live in and such good friends and all of that. But wouldn't it be something... This holiday, if you had no friends, you had no place to go, and you'd have to be like a homeless sleeping on a park bench somewhere covered up with newspapers. Can you kind of feel that? Can you sense that tonight? Can you sense of being somewhere in a strange place and not having one person to be your friend? I've heard about some people who have come to this country that could not speak one word of English, be on the sidewalks, trying to find somebody to say something to you. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had such an experience, but that feeling is an empty, uh, insecure feeling like no other feeling that you would ever have. Here's Jesus Christ. The architect and the designer of the universe comes, and there's no room for him. No room for him in the end. He's not only the architect, but he is the great God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Christo is Rey. Christ is King. 
He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, it was, uh, it was He that was God before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. Somewhere in the heavens, I have no idea exactly where God's throne is, but it's somewhere in the universes. And uh, He uh, was at the right hand uh, of the Father, uh, the God the Father up in heaven. I mean, can you imagine His position? The, the angels bowed before Him. The heavenly hosts, uh, they, they honored Him. There, there's no power in the universe like His power. Whenever He went to the cross, He said He could have called ten thousands of angels. Not just ten thousand, but tens of thousands of angels. One angel killed 180,000 Assyrians in one night outside the wall of Jerusalem. One angel killed all the firstborn of Egypt the, the, the night of the Passover. What do you think tens of thousands of angels could do? There never has been an army that he could not overcome. There never has been anything man has ever designed that's powerful as his power. He is the mighty king of kings and the Lord of lords. If a, if a king is born anywhere in the world, there's great festivities and there's, there's bells that are ringing and trumpets that are sounded and, uh, and pictures that are taken and, and crowds that are gathered. But when Jesus comes, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's no room in the end. No room in the end. Can you think of what it would be like? The King coming? I heard about uh, some years ago, Theodore Roosevelt, President of the United States, went to Africa on one of his great safari hunting, safari huntings. And he went over there, he went over there and uh, killed a lot of great animals that they stuffed and brought back to America. And it was, uh, it was one of the most festivious days that they ever had in the city of New York City when, when, uh, when uh, the President of the United States who, by the way, lived out here on Long Island, a New Yorker, he comes, he comes to New York City having a successful hunt in Africa. I mean, the, there was all kind of sirens sounding and, and people gathering, and, and there was joy in the city. The president returned. When the boat pulled in the harbor, also on that boat was a man his same age. He'd gone to college with Theodore Roosevelt. He went to Africa as a missionary after college. He spent his whole lifetime over there, came back broken, his health broken from diseases that he had to endure. And when he came back on that same boat, there wasn't even a representative of the mission board there to welcome him. Nobody, none of his family, nobody showed up. He just came into, the, into New York City on that boat without having really anybody to welcome him or to say we appreciate you or anything like that. And he said he was standing watching all the gaiety that was going on from the president's return and he said to himself, I went to Africa and I've given myself in Africa as a missionary. I come back, nobody even knows I'm here. The president goes over and shoots some animals and there's all this great uh, hullabaloo about him coming uh, back home. He said, it just doesn't seem right. I come home with nobody, and the president comes home 
with all this acceptance. And he said it came to him as if God spoke to him and said, yeah, but you're not home yet. Amen. Heaven's a Christian's home. Not here, not in New York City or anywhere else in the world. Heaven, heaven's our home. But you know how, what I'm talking about. You know, can you sense? I'm working hard here to get you to get the little bit of the feeling of this moment. <coughs> how Joseph felt. How Mary felt. I mean, even the Christ child, Jesus coming down here, all the things that are associated with his coming, there was no room for him in the end. Now, there was room in the heart and the womb of Mary for the Christ child. In fact, the matter is, she glorifies God. And in chapter 1 and verse 47, the Bible says, My spirit rejoiceth in God my Savior. She, she was talking about rejoicing that she was able to carry the Christ child. The Bible says in, in uh, chapter 1 and verse 27, a virgin espoused to uh, a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And in verse 30 it says, And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And uh, all of these things happened to her, and she... She has a Christ child, uh, though she's a virgin girl, in her womb as a, uh, as a great blessing from God, and she accepts it. That there's room for her. She, she says, uh, uh, be it unto me as, as you choose. Uh, my soul, in, in verse 46, Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She was happy over this. I mean, you can imagine the social problems with an unmarried girl. She was engaged, but she wasn't married. Uh, coming up pregnant, expecting a child. In those days, that was, a, that was a, 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 an offense that uh, was paid for by death. They stoned such girls as that. And, uh, and here she is pregnant and uh, no husband and, and a virgin girl and uh, socially unaccepted, and uh, really even her husband Joseph uh, was thinking about putting her away privately, trying to get her out of the country somewhere uh, so the disgrace wouldn't be on him and his family. And, uh, and she says in her heart, Lord, I glorify, I magnify God in all of this. There was room for Jesus in her heart. The Bible says she pondered those things. In verse 38 of chapter 1, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to the word, uh, to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She said, I'll be happy to do this. Why? Because there's room in my heart and there's room in my life for Jesus. I think probably any mother would say that of her child, at least any good mother, right? No matter what circumstance a child is born in, when there's a new little baby in the arms of a brand new mother, there's some special love there and acceptance, no matter what the world says. There's some kind of an acceptance there that uh, only a woman could appreciate and, 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 and experience. We men, can't, we can't do that. That's something God has reserved for mothers. We, we can thank God for babies and all that, but there's nothing like the love of a, a mother for her child. And that baby, that baby is just as pure as it can be no matter what circumstance it's born in. Hey, listen, 
she said, be it unto me. I'm glad to have this part. I'm glad to have this, uh, this work of God in my life. Although it was a threat to her, and though it was uh, socially unaccepted, yet Mary had room in her heart for Jesus, the Christ child. <laughs> you know, the angel said, Blessed art thou among women to her. It was a blessed experience. And she had room in her heart for him. How about Joseph? You know, I really honor Joseph. He was a great man. I mean, he, uh, he has this little girl that he's going to marry uh, from Nazareth. Uh, he knew the family, and the families had agreed upon this marriage, and, and it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. And all of a sudden, he finds out that his uh, little bride-to-be, his espoused wife, was... Uh, was pregnant, and I'm sure there was a lot of doubts, and he struggled with it until the angel of God came down in a dream and said, Joseph, don't you be afraid to take her uh, as your wife, because that which she has in her womb is of the Holy Ghost of God. And Joseph accepted it. The Bible says he knew her not until the child was born. He honored her so much that uh, she was able to stay pure until that child was born. Joseph was a pretty good man, wasn't he? Not always uh, do they uh, say much about Joseph, but I'm sure that there could be some great sermons and uh, great illustrations and great applications about this man, Joseph. He, he accepted the child, Christ child. I, I'm, I'm sure that everything he did with the Christ child, I mean, uh, you know, he was in charge of taking him down into Egypt and, and bringing him back out of Egypt and taking him to Nazareth and and uh, establishing a business there in a carpenter shop. And, and uh, <coughs> he took, he saw that Jesus got down to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. And he, he saw, he, he, he was, uh, you know, he was the one that, uh, that was looking for Jesus when he was in the temple. There's a lot of stories about Joseph, but there was room in his heart for the Christ child. There's a lesson there for us. Whatever God wants us to do, we ought to do cheerfully. Uh, dedication and surrender, amen? I mean, there's some real applications there out of the life of this man, Joseph. There's room in his heart. How about the angels who made the announcement? How about in verse 13 of chapter 2? The Bible says, Suddenly there was an angel, uh, there with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. I mean, there was room in the heart of these heavenly hosts. I pers personally, I believe it was angels. I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I believe maybe it was uh, some of the Old Testament saints or uh, maybe it was uh, this or that, but I really believe the heavenly hosts were angels. These angels, they knew who he was. They, they had seen him leave heaven and come down here to take the form of a man. And I would imagine that the angels could never explain it, but they accepted it. And the Bible says they praised the Lord and honored Him. That there was room. That there was room in their hearts for the Christ child. And uh, there's others connected with it. But as you look, you'll find that uh, there was no room 
in the heart of Herod, who rejected it. Whenever the wise men came, and Jesus was probably about three years old by the time the wise men got there, and they were living in a house, the Bible says, and they found the Christ child. They had first gone to Herod, and they were inquiring of Herod in Jerusalem about, uh, about where the Christ child was because he was to be born, and the star had announced that uh, he was going to be there. He had his own star in the heaven, and, and, uh, and they were following that star and trying to find the Christ child. Boy, as soon as Herod found it out, he became jealous because he was the king, and he didn't want another king born who would be a threat to him. He'd even put some of his family members to death because they had thought that they might take his position. And he had thought so too and had put them to death. So what did he do? He went down to Bethlehem where the Christ child was and murdered all those little children. The age of Christ destroyed them. There was no room in his heart. And as Jesus, uh, as Jesus grew and and started his ministry, we find repeatedly there were those that rejected him, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the official body of the ruling body of the Jews. Uh, there was no room in their heart for him. They rejected him and turned him down. And what a sad occasion when we read the story of Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. When we mention his name, it sounds like a, it sounds like almost a curse coming out of a person's mouth, even mentioning his name. There was no room in his heart for Jesus. And there was multitudes that rejected him and turned him down. And there are multitudes today that reject him and turn him down. I love Christmas. I love everything that goes along with Christmas. I like the music of tonight, amen? I love, I love the happiness that goes along. The spirit of giving. God is a giver, and I believe God is pleased by us having the spirit of giving at this time of the year. I mean, all of that goes together. And as I said last year here in this pulpit, I celebrate Christmas. I love Christmas. And I have not one negative thing to say about it. Some people commercialize it, but I don't. I think it's a great time. Some people say you oughtn't to have a Christmas tree because the Druids had a Christmas tree or had a tree. Well, I'm not a Druid, and so I can have my, my Christmas tree, and I don't worship a tree either. But uh, I, I love Christmas. I, I adore Christmas, every part of it. But there are a lot of people that reject it and turn it down, and this world has more people that are not going to celebrate Christmas this year than those that will. Why? Because they reject it. There's no room in their hearts for Jesus. Again, I want to ask you, how would you feel? How would you feel if you were God and you sent your son down here to die on the cross for the sins of the world and people would reject him? That would be terrible, wouldn't it, huh? It would be, like, uh, be like you having a great big party for all your relatives at Christmas time and have good food and, and good fun and a good, a good time and nobody come to your house to, to enjoy it with you. How would you feel like that? I mean, how would you feel something like that happened? Well, uh, I'm sure that there is some of that feeling in the heart of God for those that reject their, His Son and turn Him down. 
I mean, is there a room in your heart for Christ? Is there room in your home for Christ? Is there room in your life for Jesus who died for your sins on the cross? Have you ever invited Him to come in, not just to be into your life, but to be the master of your life and your thinking and your heart and your life? Have you ever done that? It might be a wonderful thing at this particular time of the year for you to do that. Say, Jesus, I want you into my life and heart. I remember when I did it as a teenage boy on my knees at the altar of the church where I knelt and I prayed. I was desperate. I needed help. And I cried out to God and, and Jesus came into my life and heart. And he's been there ever since. And I, I, I mean to tell you, friend, I'm glad when I was a boy I'd made room for Jesus in my life. Because I remember all the boys that I went to school with that rejected him and turned him down. And I look at their lives and I see the lives that are, that are destroyed, those that are in chaos, uh, those, that, those that have all kinds of problems in this life. And I look back and I think God has spared me from that. Because I took Jesus as my Lord and Savior and He came into my heart not only as the Savior but as the Lord of my life. And I'll tell you what it pays. It, it, it pays the great dividends. Have you ever asked Him in your heart and life? I want to read a verse of Scripture to you out of the book of Revelation. book of Revelation. I want to, I want to look at uh, chapter 3. And it's a story of God talking to one of his churches in the book of Revelation and he says to people and to church and to everybody all over the world in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus said, I stand at your heart door and knock. I, I want to come in. Have you ever had people come to your door and knock? Do you have a peephole to see who it is? You look out there and see somebody you don't want, you just let them stand there and knock, huh? The dog's barking and clawing at the carpet. You think, uh, I'll just let him think I'm not at home. That's what those peepholes are for, right? Ever, you ever go to somebody's house and you knock at the door and you know they're in there? And uh, there's no response. You know what? You know what? You know what you feel like? You feel like, man, they don't want to talk to me. They don't want any part of me. Jesus said, "I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock." You know, God calls to us and beckons to us in a lot of different ways. One way is His Word. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God says His invitation of love and forgiveness and the entrance in your heart, He says it through His Word. And then God says it to you through the multitude of testimonies of Christians that have been saved and their life is an example of a successful experience between them and God in a relationship. You can see they've got something. 
I led a young man to Christ one time, and he told me, he said, the reason why I got saved is because, he said, I was on board ship in the Navy, and I saw a Christian. And that guy was a real Christian. And he said, I tried to get as close to him as I could to find out what really made him tick. And he said, I found out that it was Jesus Christ. And he said, I've been waiting all this time for an invitation to come and get in my life what that guy on board ship had. And I want that same Christ to be my Savior too. You know, sometimes it's a, God invites you through a multitude of witnesses, through a, through a lot of good, happy lives and successes of people that know Him. I, I want my life to be that testimony, don't you? Amen? I want people to see me and say, Hey, there's a Christian. I'd like to be like him. God speaks to you sometimes very personally. But in a meeting like this, and the preacher is preaching, and he asks to come into your heart and life and say, make room for me. Open up your heart's door and invite me to come in. And I'll come in. And we'll have fellowship. He says, I will sup with you and you with me. It goes back to an old custom in that day that whenever, <laughs> whenever people would eat together, it would bind their souls together. And they would be more than just friends. They would be, they would be close companions, compadres. They'd be close companions having ate together and set together. And that, that's a custom in a lot of other countries. And uh, I've made deals in other nations where after we would make buy land for a church, we would... Uh, we, we would go have supper together, which, uh, which would bind our contract because we, we, we ate out of the same dish, so to speak. We, we, we agreed upon things, and it seemed like we had one soul on that thought, at least, because we ate together. Now, Jesus says, open up your heart's door, and I'll come in, and I'll dwell with you. Oh, I would imagine, now, I just imagine this, but... I would imagine the innkeeper in Bethlehem when Joseph showed up with his wife having a child at that very moment probably. I would imagine now today, wherever that innkeeper is, I hope he's in heaven, but I imagine wherever he is, there's regret in his heart. I could have had, in my end, I could have had the Christ child, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, I could have had him born in my end if I would have just invited him in. You know, there's a lot of regrets in refusing Christ. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Brother Clayton, I just wish that I'd have been saved and I wish I'd accepted Christ Jesus when I was young and I could have lived my whole life with him in fellowship and in victory and satisfaction but I waited till I was old before I really accepted him as my Lord. That would be a terrible regret, would it not? I got saved as a young man, but I even myself look back and wish that I'd have been saved much earlier because there's a lot of mistakes I made between the time I first felt convicted of my sin and the time I really turned my life over to Christ. But there are a lot of people that reject him year after year, day after day. 
Last week I preached in uh, Hicks, not Hicksville, uh, but out on the island anyhow. Holtzville, Holtzville, out on the island. And there was a lady in that church that they had been praying for for 14 years. They talked to her about her soul and she'd say, well, I don't know that I can really believe in the resurrection or not. I have to think that over. They, they talked to her, her, her daughter and her granddaughter, both saved in the church. They, they'd plead with her, Grandma, you need, you need to trust Christ as your Savior. You're, you're not getting any younger, you know, and eternity is not too far from you and you need to get saved. And, and she'd say things like, well, you know, I, I've been religious all my life. I'm okay. Just leave me alone. That didn't satisfy them, and really it didn't satisfy her, and it didn't at all satisfy God. I got up and preached, and during the invitation, I sang, I sung the old song, Throw Out the Lifeline. Did you ever hear that? Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, Someone is drifting away. She said, when I heard you sing that song, she said, I said to myself, I'm drifting away. I'm getting a little further every week away from the Lord. You know, people who say repeatedly, no, 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 they get a habit of saying no, and it, it comes automatic it, without any thought. They just say no. Salesmen say you've got to get the person you're selling to, you've got to get them saying yes, 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 until they get a habit of saying yes and they'll buy it. But people who, who, who say no, 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 they, they get in the habit of saying no and they don't buy it. And she had gotten in the habit of saying no, no, no to God and she wasn't buying what the preachers were preaching. But for some reason, she could see herself drifting away and she came forward and she said, I want to get saved. I want to take Christ as my Savior. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. That Sunday morning, she trusted Christ as her Savior. Fourteen years they'd been praying for her to get saved, and that morning she decided. You know, it's never really too late. But the earliest you can accept Him, the better off you'll be. Take Him into your heart. If you've never received Him in your heart and life, if you've never called upon Him to get saved, do it tonight. I mean, there's no room for Christ in the end in His day when He was born. But there should be room in your heart for Him tonight. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like for our pianist to come and and play for us tonight. 548, if you would, Julia. 548. This is a special good old song, and it kind of says what I was preaching tonight. And uh, it asks a question. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin. I mean, would you ask Him? Would you ask Him to come in? 
The old song says, Room for Jesus, King of glory. Hasten now his word obey. Turn your heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. Have you any room for Jesus? He who bore your load of sin. As he knocks and asks admission, sinner, will you let him in? Well, there's room, room for Jesus, King of glory. Hasten now, his word obey. Swing your heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed here tonight, I wonder how many here say, Preacher, I heard the gospel and I was convicted of my need of the Savior. And I ask him to come into my heart and life. Maybe, maybe you've been saved for a month or six months or a year or maybe many years. But you know tonight that Jesus lives in your heart and that you're born again. Would you slip up your hand as a testimony tonight? All over the audience, raise your hand. Thank you very much. God bless you. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder how many would say, Brother Clayton, I would like to receive Christ into my life tonight. I, I'd like to have him, I'd like to have him in my soul, in my heart. There's room in my heart for Jesus. And I want him to come into my heart and into my life. And I want him to be my constant companion. And I want him to be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins. I wonder how many say, preacher. I've never had him in my life and heart, and I don't know if I'm saved tonight, but I'd like to be. Pray for me tonight. Would you slip up your hand? All over the audience, raise your hand tonight. I would like to accept him as my Savior. Throw your heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. I'd like for us to stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would just bless us in a very special way here, dear God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, deal with all the hearts of folks here that do not know Christ personally. Oh, Father, I pray for them tonight that, that you'd speak to them and help them, Lord, to come to you and repent and get saved. Bless it this Christmas time, Lord, that we might have room for Jesus. Room for Jesus in our lives. Room for Jesus in our hearts. Invite him to come into our lives and be the king of our hearts, king of our minds, king of our lives but also the Savior from all of our sins. I ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
I'd like for you to sing with me that song, 548 in your songbooks, 548. We're going to sing it together tonight, and as we sing this song, we'll start with the second verse, since I've sung the first verse to you. And as we sing this uh, song here tonight, God has spoken to your heart, and you'd like to receive Christ as your personal Savior. You'd like to have Him come into your life, and come into your heart, and You'll have room for him tonight and accept him as your Savior. I want you to slip out of your seat and come forward. We'll meet you here and take you to a private place where we can explain to you exactly what it is to know Jesus Christ. And we'll answer your questions and we'll pray with you and read the Bible with you. And you can be satisfied when you leave this place that you're a child of God. As we sing this song, I'm going to invite you to come the second verse. Room for pleasure, room for business, but the Christ the crucified, not a place that he can enter in the heart for which he died. Room for Jesus, King of glory, hasten now his word obey turn your hearts door widely open bid him enter while you may have you any room for jesus as in grace he calls again oh today is time accepted tomorrow you may call in vain room for jesus king of glory hasten now his word obey turn your heart door widely open bid him enter while you may i'd like for us to remain standing and just bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments I'm going to lead you in a prayer tonight. I don't uh, often do this. It's usually not the habit of the Baptist to do this, but I want to do it tonight. I feel impressed to do it tonight. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here tonight and you do not know Christ as your Savior, if you're really not sure you're born again or your sins are all forgiven or you're not really sure where you'd go if you'd die tonight. I want you to repeat this prayer. But I'll pray. I want you to pray with me. I'll pray out loud. You talk to God in your heart and say these words to Him tonight. As I pray, you pray. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you'd forgive me of my sins. I pray, God, that you'd come into my heart. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I repent of all my sins. I ask you to accept me as one of your children. 
I accept the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment for my sins. Save me, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd like to ask you, how many of you prayed that prayer with me tonight? Just lift that hand up, would you, so I can see. Right, several. God bless you. God bless you tonight. If tonight you do not know Christ as your Savior, you can always pray that prayer or one like it. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved anywhere. We'd like for you to be saved at the altar of this church. But you can be saved at home. You, you, can, you can become a child of God anywhere. For any place that you call upon the Lord with all of your heart, that, that can be the temple of His presence. And the Bible says He'll hear you. here and Lord we just ask that you would uh, help those that uh, did pray this prayer to seek godly counsel from their pastor and their church Lord we know that you're in the soul saving business and we thank you for it and Lord we thank you that you didn't save us just so we could get to heaven by the skin of our teeth, but you saved us so we can serve you and live for you. And we thank and praise you for this wonderful thing called the local church in which to serve you. We thank you for the fellowship and the love that we can share as individual churches coming together. And Lord, we just ask for your protection on our way home. And Lord, that tomorrow as we meet, different services some of us in the same place many of us in different places that we would truly worship and understand you that this Christmas would be different one where you are the center of all that is said and done in Jesus name we pray amen we have a little habit here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church we sing the benediction we sing the same one every time, so I hope you don't mind. 705, if you need the words. Now, just one word of instruction. Brother Palman's group drove nearly two hours to be here with us tonight. We want them to be able to get in their cars and go right home. Uh, the, some men, we just, we just need about ten guys in the big room and uh, probably about half that many or so ladies in the kitchen. Well, maybe... Yeah, I guess we could fit five or six ladies in the kitchen. And you know what? We'll be out of here by 9.15. Everything will be cleaned up and ready for all the services tomorrow, all right? Now, Brother Shaw, you and Mrs. Shaw aren't allowed to stay. And Brother Ted, you and Sharon aren't allowed to stay because they've been here all afternoon. All right? They're going home. But uh, if you weren't here all afternoon helping pick up and clean up and all that other stuff, 
uh, we'll we'll have you come downstairs and just help us knock this thing out real quick. All right. And if you brought food, uh, I didn't 